Trouble with Transformation, a serialised podcast by Alison Whip. Chapter 15. F doesn't mark the spot. 20 minutes later, Danny and I stood at the surf club entrance, trying to figure out how on earth we were going to get our hands on Locker 48F. Have you ever seen an ocean pool, Dad? I can't remember whether they have them down in Devon. Here's the deal. The bottlenose ocean baths and surf club sits right on the water's edge. The outside entrance, the front of the surf club building, is sealed off by a hulking pair of wooden gates, which in turn are held tight with a heavy iron chain and a beast of an iron padlock. The only way in, other than breaking the padlock, is to walk along the nearby rocks to where the outcrop joins the outer wall of the baths. From there you can haul yourself into the pool, which is just a regular pool with lanes and everything, except that it's built into the ocean and holds seawater. So that was the dilemma we were facing. Give up until the next day when the surf club was open, or sneak into the club from the ocean side and take our chances on the rocks. My vote, of course, was for the rocks. Danny was less keen. He eyed the surf doubtfully. The tide was in, and the waves were breaking heavily against the shore, smashing against the wall of the baths. I don't like the look of that swell, G. Maybe we should come back tomorrow, he said. When we can just walk in. Other kids do it all the time. We'll be fine. It was true. I'd never been, but I'd heard stories from some of the senior kids about how they'd sneaked into the club on a Friday or Saturday evening. Skinny dipping and stuff. There'd be none of that frolicking for us. We had business to take care of. Danny stared pointedly at the white-capped waves. White horses, we call them over here. I'm sure they don't do it when it's this choppy but I was already pulling off my t-shirt and emptying my backpack. I dropped my towel, phone and crocs into the front basket of my bike, then bent behind the back wheel to lock it into the rack. With a sigh, Danny put his dry stuff into the basket as well, ducking down to lock up his own bike. This is crazy. Come on, Dan. We've just got to watch for the break between sets and get across before the next lot of waves come in. Slow and steady, so we don't slip. I ran down to the water's edge, watching the wave sets roll in. Three lots went by and was on to the fourth when I gave Danny the standby instructions. Not this wave, but the next one. Once it hits, we'll go. I stepped out first, feeling the way with my toes, avoiding slippery patches, cutting across the well-worn surfaces. Danny followed, a little more hesitantly, but he'd be fine after a few steps. He'd fished off the rocks plenty of times in calmer weather. I'd almost reached the wall of the baths when I chanced to glance at the ocean. The water was choppy, but no waves. See? We'll easily make it before the next set hits. Danny didn't reply. A little bubble of worry formed in my chest. I anchored my feet and checked over my shoulder. He was still there, 
but at least five or six steps behind. The waves hadn't hit yet, but they were imminent. Why wasn't he moving? There was no time to breathe or think. I retraced my steps, and when I was within arm's reach, I slipped my hand into Danny's and tugged. Move! I yelled, when he didn't immediately follow. To my relief, he started to inch his way along the rocks. Now I've got to move a little faster. How are you doing? Can you move faster? Don't look at the ocean. Just look at the baths. I side-glanced at the sea. The first wave in the set bore down on us. It pulled itself up to full size, reaching for the sky like a car at the top of a roller coaster. We weren't going to make it. I grabbed Danny's wrist in a monkey vice. Follow my footsteps, I shouted over the roar of the wave as it curved over the rocks, spray hitting us like tiny hailstones. I put my head down and trusting my instincts, skidded across the embankment, pulling Danny behind me. As the wave arched over us, like a giant folding umbrella, I yanked his arm, tumbling us both into the ocean baths as the wave crashed overhead in an explosion of salt and foam. We were pulled backwards, scraped against the wall for an instant, then set free. Our hands were torn apart in the last moments, and I frantically grabbed at the water, trying to find Danny. My face broke the surface. There he was. I took a relieved, gigantic gulp of air. Are you okay? I examined him through salt-stung eyes. We dragged ourselves onto the concrete bank and sucked in deep breaths. I'm sorry. The timings looked so easy back on the shore. I didn't think. Danny's breath was laboured. I panicked. My legs just... froze. I'm sorry too. Just tell me we're not going back the same way. I winced and broke the bad news. Well, I doubt we're going out the front door. You saw those chains. Danny's mouth dropped open. I grabbed his hand and gave it a squeeze, scanning for other options. My eyes found a spot where the surf club wall jutted out from the roof, just before the baths. We'll climb up there and over. He nodded and squeezed my hand back. Hey, you're bleeding. Realising for the first time my shoulder was stinging, I bent round to look. It's just a graze. Luckily my backpack had taken most of the impact. I carefully eased it off my shoulders and opened the zip. When I reached into my bag and brandished a pair of mini bolt cutters, Danny gaped. Then for the first time since we'd arrived at the beach, he laughed. Where'd you pick those up? Garden shed, I shrugged. Thought we might need them. Danny shoved his hands in his pockets. What if we get caught? You know, breaking into someone's locker. I bristled at the words. What we were doing wasn't exactly above board, but it hardly seemed like a criminal offence. Anyway, I wasn't about to give up, not after we'd just risked our lives on the rocks. It's not really breaking in if the owner of the padlock meant us to do it. Come on, Dan. I looked at him with pleading eyes. We were within reach of something significant. I knew it. 
Danny opened his mouth as if to resist, then sighed. I guess if we've got the right clue, then we're just following instructions. We're on the right track for sure. I flashed a grateful smile, hoisting the bolt cutters in the air. They seemed to have a mind of their own, weaving and wending, like a dowser rod searching for water. Careful, Danny said. Oops, these things are harder to handle than they look. The day was losing the last of its light, and long shadows were forming weird, wild-looking shapes on the domed concrete walls of the ocean baths. The muted reflection of sun on water gave the place a spectral, dappled glow. I shivered. It was cold now we were out of the water. Let's find what we're looking for and get out of here, Danny's voice echoed round the dome. Mum will kill me if I'm late for dinner. She's doing snapper tonight. We squinted in the semi-darkness, following the line of lockers, until we stood in front of the one marked 48F. The door was wide open, the compartment empty. A dull, heavy weight thudded in the pit of my stomach. Well, that's it, I said, my voice bouncing off the concrete walls. It's over. Danny's elbow nudged my side. Maybe not. He pointed to the tiny padlock that held closed compartment E. A knot of breath caught in my chest. Well, the letter was only a guesstimate, he laughed, but there was a nervous edge to it. Do you want to do the honours? My heart pounded as I eyed the padlock, the solution to the riddle of your magnificent machine. The truth about you. It could be in there. I handed him the cutters. You do it. His hands were shaking. From nervousness or the awkwardness of the bolt cutters, it was hard to tell. It took him a few moments to get a grip on the shackle. The cutter's pincers looked ridiculous, wrapped around the tiny lock. Danny had barely squeezed the cutter handles when the shackle buckled and neatly split apart. He removed the padlock and once again looked to me, silently offering me the right to open the door. Again, I turned him down, shaking my head. The moment of truth, he said, through his too bright smile. I put my hand on Danny's as he reached for the locker handle, words coming out in a rush. Dan, what if it's empty? What if it's not empty? What if there's something awful in there? I breathed in and fought the urge to gag. Normally the smell of the sea would clear my head, but all I could picture was rotting seaweed and decay. Danny tried for, and couldn't quite manage a reassuring smile. You'll never know unless we try. His fingers curled around the handle. I couldn't help it. I closed my eyes and waited. A few seconds passed. Why wasn't Danny saying anything? I opened my eyes a crack, peeking through my lashes. Did you do it? I did. It's not empty. And it's not bad. Well, it's not a horse's head or anything like that. 
Danny and I had hustled our way into the Glitzer's screening of The Godfather a few weeks back, and he was still reeling from that scene. He flung the locker door wide open. Take a look. What is it? I nudged Danny aside, the last of the daylight illuminating a small grey rectangular object sitting in the middle of the locker. At first glance it appeared to be a cigarette lighter, but then I realised it was a memory stick. I placed it in my palm, gazing at it as though it would instantly spill secrets. I wonder what you're all about. I pulled a large Ziploc bag from my backpack and sealed it up for safekeeping. Danny was assessing a pile of chairs stacked in the corner, no doubt keen to find a way onto the roof. We probably should get going now. I don't want to have to climb over those rocks in the dark. His belly rumbled. Sorry. I rolled my eyes and smiled. Typical. Now we've found what we're looking for, all you can think about is food. A slow, juddering creak came from the direction of the front gate. We exchanged a horrified glance. Food sounds good. Let's get out of here, I whispered. A light crept around the gate and methodically its owner started to scour the barbs. I held my breath and squeezed into a gap between the lockers. Ginger, are you there? Mr Bell's strong English accent was a welcome relief in the dark. The tight knot in my stomach shook loose. Mr B! Then some of my earlier apprehension returned. What are you doing here? Stroke of luck, really, said Mr Bell. I couldn't remember whether you had training on tonight, and Cat was starting to worry. Hello, Daniel. Hi, Mr Bell. Danny gave a sheepish wave. You know I only train on Thursdays and Saturdays, I said, feeling my eyes narrow. Do you? I couldn't quite recall, Mr Bell said, drawing face to face with us. His featured appeared particularly stern in the pale torchlight. And you must have seen my board in the garage. Truly? I am such a devil for overlooking the detail. My eyebrows shot up at that. As you would know, Mr Bell misses nothing. And I thought you knew the surf club is closed on Mondays, I said, trying to restrain the triumphant dance of my lips. I had him now. Is it? Then what are you doing here? Oh, come on. Going for a swim? I offered weakly. Then I had a sudden revelation. How did you get in anyway? The gates are locked. I saw your bikes outside and I went over to the superintendent's and borrowed his keys. You're lucky I convinced him to turn a blind eye. You might have been thrown out of the surf club for this and then where would you be? I bit my lip, focusing on my feet. Danny remained silent. Mr Bell sighed. Oh, very well. At least you're both intact. His eyes zeroed in on my grey's shoulder. Well, almost. Let's get you home before Cat decides to call triple zero. 
She wouldn't have been that worried. Mr. B was just being nice. Cat probably hadn't even noticed I wasn't in the house. That's how I knew he was up to something shady. Ask your mother when you get home if you have your doubts. She's had me combing half of Bottlenose Beach looking for you, Mr. Bell said. The light of his torch led the way through the gates. When I didn't reply, Mr. Bell added, Some people have their own unique ways when it comes to love. The trick for us ordinary people is knowing how to spot it. That's two philosophical observations in two weeks. I never knew you ran so deep, Mr. B. Thank you, Ginger. I believe that's the nicest compliment you've paid me to date. I started walking back to the main entrance. As I brushed past Danny, I dropped the memory stick into his trouser pocket. He shot me a questioning look, but had the good sense to keep quiet. With Mr. B sniffing around, I had a hunch it would be safer at his place than mine. The downside was now I had to wait until after school tomorrow to see what was on that stick. And that was going to be agonising. <laughs>